In episode 510 with Mason Taylor, we are talking all about medicinal mushrooms, adaptogens, gua sha, ancient healing modalities, and so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about this episode because I've been using Superfeast products for years. I love herbal medicine. I love Chinese medicine. I love Taoism, which we dive deep into in this conversation. And for those of you that have never heard of Mason, he is a tonic herbalist, founder of Superfeast, professional speaker, thought leader, and host of the Superfeast podcast. He is dedicated to keep the traditions of Taoism herbal medicine alive because it has played a pivotal role in his health, his family's health, and his community's health for more than a decade. I love that he draws on the ancient wisdom of Taoism, weaving it into the most potent application of herbal medicine for modern humans. He inspires and teaches people to become enchanted with their bodies, life, and health. He is a wealth of knowledge. I could have spoken to him for hours. I just wanted to sit around a table and just share with him because he is just such a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 510. And you're going to want to head there because we've got a discount code for all Superfeast products for you. Now, let's bring on the incredible Mason Taylor. Mason, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have a fellow Aussie on the podcast, and I'm so excited to hear the answer to this question. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Um, this morning, I had little 10-month-old babies clawing at my mouth upon waking because Tani was going off to an, uh, an event. Um, at that time, I got up and had some MSM water, some zeolites, and then at this point, I haven't eaten anything. And I don't know whether that's intentional. I'm not necessarily an intermittent faster. It's not great in the Tao to not feed the spleen during that seven to nine period. But, you know, to be honest, I've had good butterflies and thought, yeah, I'm coming, no, I'm coming on and having a chat with you. So I thought I'd just be like, all right, Spleen, I need you to just like take one for the team this morning. I've been nourishing you for the whole late summer season, which is your season. You can, you've got enough healthy soil in the body there to, to, to do one morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And wait, back up two like babies i heard two 10 oh, just baby hands just baby hand two baby hands oh i was thinking twins and i was like wow okay look anyone who has like twins or more i'm like you are my hero yeah we've got like three friends that have baby twins at the moment so we were like convinced we were going to have twinnies as well because 
Tani's got it in her family and Carrie, like Carrie's really large and we didn't get any scans or anything. So we were just waiting for that, you know, it was possibly that surprise. But yeah, it, we've, we've only got one little rambunctious boy that likes smacking me in the mouth as a nice welcome to the day. Beautiful. I love it. A kick in the ribs, a smack in the face. You know, it's it's awesome. It is. I mean, I, it's getting kind of like in the like the red zone of like fighting rules where it's like gouging, but that's okay. That's right. I need to I need to harden up anyway. Oh my gosh. And so you just have one? We got one 10-month-old and a 6-year-old girl. Oh, so beautiful. I love it. I mean, that's a whole podcast on its own. I would love to hear about your conscious conception journey and your pregnancy journey and your birthing journey, but maybe you'll have to come back on and talk about that another time because I'm super passionate about all of that stuff. Yeah, amazing. Atani would love to as well. And I think especially she's just, you know, she's just finished Shamanic Women's Craft with Jane, I think Jane Hardwick Collins. And, you know, I think you you know her work and is really deep in that world and advocating for birth to have the right to have a little bit of wilderness and a little bit of faith and a little bit of appropriate boundaries, but a little trust in mama and bubbas and birth partners and dad's journey as well. So we would love to. Yes, absolutely. I love Jane's work so much. She's in my program, Holy Mama, as one of the expert teachers. And she's been on my podcast and she's a dear friend. She was one of my birth mentors. I did her pregnancy course in Byron Bay. Yeah, I love her. Everything that she does, I'm like all for. So yeah, I love that Tani's into her work as well. Just quickly, how were your births? Incredible transformational, both at home in South Golden Beach, first with um, starting out with the Mullum midwives, which were became the, the Byron midwives and was you know, great. We learned a lot. It was pretty much zero intervention, but like, you know, Tani wouldn't mind going into a few of the things that she learned. And then, yeah, the birth itself was yeah magical in, in a relative t- sense, like for smooth for Tani. Second pregnancy was incredible, you know, that we had zero intervention from anyone, no tests or scans. And and it was just really beautiful to watch Tani be on the finger on the pulse and not be doing it for the sake of free birthing and fighting, you know, like it was just like she like watching her, witnessing her like really make conscientious decisions day by day and knowing whether having someone encroach our area was going to detract something that was more important, especially if the outcome was ambiguous, the benefit was ambiguous. And it was a beautiful learning experience for me but yeah you know just at, just at home there just you know just us the dog in the room my daughter waking my daughter up in the morning he was posterior so it was like a little bit more on the on the painful side didn't you know didn't realize and that that was going to be the case but you know Tani just like got into the into the guts of her experience and brought that through you know knowing that that would be something of its posterior that would have been like in within a hospital would have been like great you know off you go to c-section so for me just like I really had an incredible experience, like just really respecting if I did have as a birth partner, just really gently bringing up my worries, my concerns, and just having such a long run up this time in voicing them and not having a midwifery system just going, oh, whatever, you know, don't worry about that, you know, but you no, know, Tani and I would spend like three weeks going, okay, well, what is, what is it? You know, what is there for me? What is it? And Tani going, actually, you know, it's how beautiful it is to have a birth partner that has had the chance to really get to the bottom of why there's like a something I feel convicted about or, you know, something I feel concerned about and then following that thread to the end where we arrive at that point where there's no more charge and we've 
both kind of can both, you know, be like, all right, hell yes, yeah, we're going to keep on going down this this path. So what that does to like lock in, you know, that family, you know, that birth, that birth magic, what it does in terms of locking you in, in terms of just, you know, whether it's a, you know, whether it's your marriage or, you know, your, your like just your partnership and your unity, just it was, it's, it's that invisible thing that, you know, within and, you know, that medical system has such a great place, but obviously it's off its head with ego and so inappropriate and pierces because it doesn't, it can't see or perceive that birth magic, you know, someone, you know, like I know seeing you, I think Tani saw you at that, that Jane course in, in Byron and knowing Jane's work and knowing what Tani's doing and, you know, what, like, you know, what Oni's doing up here and, you know, in that birth pregnancy and beyond group, but like, and I'm around it enough to watch, especially women, but, you know, feel and cultivate that birth magic space. It was just nice for me to be able to like sit in it and experience it. And not, you know, it was just, it was, yeah, it was really like, it was really transformational. Yeah, beautiful. It is truly magical. It's truly, truly magical. And I had no intention of talking to you about this today, but it just it just started there because I am so passionate about it, which is why I created my program, Holy Mama. And it's so important that we hear these stories, that we hear these positive, inspiring, magical birth stories, because the societal narrative is the complete opposite. So I feel like the more that we can share these beautiful stories, the better. So I think I'll have to have you guys back on to talk all about it and dive deeper into it on another episode. It'd be great. We can segue into Taoist tonic herbalism very easily there because although everyone knows Superfeast, a lot of people know us, you know, being the mushroom company, a lot of people know me as the, you know, that the mushroom Ma'am, you know, behind, behind, and some people know us as adaptogens or, you know, that we're and like there's, which is great. I love that. And um, that's, that's an appropriate way for people to perceive us. At the depths, we're working with a very old lineage of tonic herbalism that transcends the capacity for it to be institutionalized into a, into a university course. It's, it's the, the origins and the most well documented, but documented in a way that, slippery and, and talks about principles rather than rules that can be regulated by an institutional board or something like that and give licenses. It's a medicine for the people, but the terminology and the principles are so old world, they allow us, again, to perceive the invisible thing that a system or an institution can't see. So it's the same with birth magic. It's this invisible thing that although they can't see it, therefore they don't respect it, it is there. And likewise, our capacity to go beyond a symptom-based approach or just crossing our fingers and hoping we don't get diseased. There's an invisible cultivation that comes about. You know, we can get into the treasures. You know, the first thing I saw with Taoist herbalism was like, there are these precious treasures in the body and we're just going to capture a certain amount of functions and capacities and energies and we're going to call them the treasures, Jing, Qi and Shen. And your primary job is to guard them and treasure them. And the whole point of we use herbs to guard and treasure and cultivate and refine and get greater efficacy in the way that we balance ourselves between the jing physical or physical potential chi the animation of ourselves so we can animate our progression through big life stages and our shen is that diamond we're shining to bring that very unique infinite part of us expressed as our personality and our virtues but connected to that part of us which is you know that just for us to sense and is that invisible part and the most important parts there are how we birth and how we die. And so all of Taoist herbalism, all we're really ensuring, you know, that's well, in terms of birth, I just very accidentally, our tonic herbs have just 
been out there supporting the preparation for a strong birth of body, you know, preparing through, can, you know, stages of conception, helping men and women cultivate and get a relationship with fertility rather than thinking it's something clinically that you have or you don't have, but getting a relationship with it. And just watching like the Jing herbs get, re- you know, go in and help people feel, oh, if I get my kidney water flowing and I have a balance between yin and yang, oh my gosh, there's this blossoming of fertility you realize you're walking on eggshells with your energy and you come back into a cultivation space, which the herbs demand of you. Yes, they're adaptogens. Yes, they're mushrooms. But these are the superior precious tonic herbs. They suck you back into the place where you perceive your jing. And then you invisibly perceive that life essence that is the wax of your candle. And no longer is it, are you able just to blindly leak it or give it to someone else, give someone else that responsibility. And from there, magically, a lot of the time, whatever fertility is appropriate for people blossoms and comes about but then the other way that we when we're on the ground as adults taking these herbs we're leading towards our last breath and so the fundamental treasure that we start focusing on is is our jing because that jing energy lives and resides within the kidneys and regulates the you know the bones our our brain matter which is called the sea of marrow our marrow our capacity to regenerate have robust vigor for life if we leak that which is we everyone listening knows what that looks like in the in the west we're all just walking around at times excessively living or living on you know like unconscientiously leaking just that essence out of our kidneys just like spraying it all over the place that leads you to a dependency because you haven't been able to depend on yourself to not leak that gene in later later years, we start deteriorating. So in the original text, they'd say, take gene to extend your life and you know make sure that you don't age prematurely. So that means you don't degenerate prematurely. And when you have that foundation, you have that capacity to enter into those elder spaces. You have the capacity to not get distracted by unnecessary degenerative disease or unnecessary degeneration. So you have a greater capacity and physical body that can take you into those elder years and you're able to refine your experiences and become that, you know, that encyclopedic wisdom that we all have within us and lead towards that, that last breath with absolute potential and springing off into the next adventure when no matter what you believe, that's, it still lies. Even if you're a raving atheist, it's still such a conscientious going, you know, walking towards that breath with all those heightened senses and even just the legacy of what you share in those moments. That's what the whole herbs are about. So it's fun for me to start there with you because I also love talking about the very daily symptomatic, you know, mushrooms are awesome and they're cool and, you know, (laughs) all that stuff. But you bringing up birth, it's like, it's funny because when we really talk about super feast essence and what I felt when I first started interacting with the essence of what this business became, that's all it was. That was the whole intention. And learning how to cultivate and uniquely dance towards my destiny rather than just like getting dragged along with degeneration and sickness and, you know, disharmony in my chi, therefore disharmony in the way I process thoughts and emotions and not knowing whether something is my shen, you know, what's really true for me or whether it's something that I'd been invaded by and I I didn't actually have the strength to go. I've learned enough from this external belief system. It's now time for me. I, I can't even help it now. You just bang, you just pop out the other side of it and be like, thank you. I've now embodied what I need to embody and move on. And you need, like for me, that Taoist system was like, 
charging into Super Thieves to be like, you have that intention, this is us as well. And Taoism and the magic of it, you know, was like, and classical Chinese medicine was crushed in the 50s by that red wave by, of Mao Zedong and communism. They literally tried to cut away the essence and the root of where we came from. And that root being, you have an intention and a spark and you have the right to cultivate it. And it's going to mean you're a unique well put together person. That's the, you know, everyone listening is like, yeah, that's the kind of, that's the lineage I'm banging as well. The Taoist herbalism was just like, I couldn't keep them out. I couldn't keep them out of the business. It was, I'd started with superfoods and cellular detox supplements and things. It was all just an excuse to have these kinds of conversations. But Taoist herbs were like, yeah, dude, look, we're on a, we're coming back in a decentralized way. We're a system that's ready and wants to be out there and utilized got the terminology, and here we are, 12 years later, still having the conversation. Wow, 12 years. That's amazing. And I want to dive into the origin story of Superfeast, but just to touch on a few things that you mentioned that are really important. And I was having this conversation with a girlfriend yesterday, and we are talking about the way that we live, you know, and to some people it might look extreme, you know, how we live with our health. And we were talking about how now more than ever, you have to do these daily things. You have to do these things to take care of yourself because, you know, we're surrounded by Wi-Fi. We're having to work so much harder than we have ever in our life to stay well. And also the mindset is such a huge piece of this because so many of the older generation, like my parents, they have that mentality of, oh, this is just what happens when you get older. This is just part of getting older. And I'm like, no, thanks. I'm not subscribing to that narrative. That is not mine. Thank you very much. You know, I want to live a long and healthy life. And actually in Time Magic, which is mine and Nick's new book that has literally just hit the shelves. Well, it's on pre-order right now. By the time this episode comes out, you'll be able to order it and get your copy. But we have a whole chapter in there on everyday longevity, the basic things that you can be doing to extend your life, but not just extend your life, but make those later years in your life vibrant because there's no point in extending your life if you are riddled with disease and can't do the things that you want to do. So it's these little things that we do each day that add up to big results or big consequences. For example, this morning, I made my daughter and I a smoothie and I put in my super feast. Like it's a little thing that I do each day that just contributes going to bed early, taking care of myself, getting out of nature, self-care, nourishing food, clean water, you know, not spending too much time on my devices, all of these little things, what we do each day that add up to these big results or big consequences. So I love that this is what you're about. You know, this is what you're about. And it's about extending our life, but making those years healthy and thriving. And like I said, you know, I love your products. I have been using them for years. I love the packaging. It's so beautiful. Can you tell us, you said 12 years Superfeast has been around, how you created it, why you created it, what exactly does Superfeast offer? And, you know, did you grow up in a household with Chinese medicine? Like, how did this all unfold for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, like in like parents, parents split when I was two and they kept on, you know, so I had a lot of contrast, but my dad was a martial artist. 
a Japanese jujutsu black belt. So grew up with that, you know, to get to that point, you have to have a certain connection with the elements in nature. So grew up with a lot of like Book of Five Rings and Miyamoto Masashi, which, which actually, ironically, was I had it irritated me so much when the when the Tao started like really like shoving its way into into my into my life because I was like I was just at the time I was just so like committed to the that Japanese five element system and so it took me a long time to get over that <laughs> and really embrace the five elements of Taoism. Yeah, like pretty pretty typical. Mum always had a proclivity towards doing something a little bit towards prevention, you know, like to doing the whole garlic thing. And then I uh, just kind of stumbled around in my late teens, around like in early twenties, like ski instructing and being a being a backpacker and just going to uni because I just couldn't figure out that next move, and I knew it would make mum and dad happy. And then in my last year, well, I, I went away. I deferred for a year and went to South America. And during that time, I just had breath workers and yogis start just traveling with me. And so it was just kind of all there in my world. And my, um, I, I couldn't deny these, like these, the emergence of some, you know, some, I guess, values at that time. And then I had a download. I was on a bus in Bolivia and just like, I just kind of like froze in my body. And I could just feel this this path I was on and this divergence of this fork in the road. Like I was feeling really exhausted. I had some immune things going on. And I, I was like, I really should. I don't feel like too inspired to go down this path anymore. And, and the fork in the road was there. And it took me back to when I was 14 and sitting in a car listening about all the statistics and disease and just going, I just can't accept that this crossing the fingers that you don't become the one in two is acceptable. And I it was beyond anything in terms of like, I want to make a change. I was just like, this is such, you know, although I'm not charged around it anymore, I can look at the circumstances of, you know, civilization exploding and population exploding and the excessiveness of institution, maybe just, you know, having to match that. And of course that creates parasitic energy of particular people and groups. And, but, you know, I'm just looking at that as a, you know, a fold out of nature <laughs> and, the, and the, you know, the cosmic Tao at the moment, but regardless where I was at during that time, it felt so parasitic and such a blight, just it felt so invasive that even at 14, I knew I wouldn't. And then back and then when I was 23, having that moment in, in, um, in Bolivia that I just knew that was it. I was on that, that other path. And it's interesting reading like the old Chinese texts, you see it, especially start getting talked about. And I'm sure it went into time immemorable. You can see these forks in the road between, say, like that, you know, like let's institutionalize and capture some of the chaos and then let's stay, you know, decentralized. And so you see 400 AD was the first time you actually really start seeing it documented that the barefoot herbalists that wanted to continue cultivating medicine within the home so that people could be the masters of their own destiny, they split versus the people that decided to take herbs away from growing where the original text said you, you grow the herbs here in order to have them, you know, the most, you know, spirit and treasures within them and going, now let's just grow them near the hospitals so it's convenient. So they lose a little bit of the magic, but you're able to actually institutionalize it to an extent. And it's a beautiful dance, that one, back and forth, and it can be done with harmony, but I felt that in Bolivia and I felt the excessiveness and I felt myself move towards that barefoot herbalist side a little bit more and then I just went deep and I had spent my whole last year just studying like I just didn't want to address my symptoms of immunity and some fungal stuff going on my exhaustion 
I just was really wanted to know what I just wanted a language for cultivation to China. I really wanted to not cross my fingers. I was really, you know, and I think that's what happens a lot in the wellness world. Still, people, we don't realize that we might fall into a particular dietary system and we're like, fine, we, you know, great carnivores. It's, it's, it's all the people I like and trust are saying it's good. I don't even have to use my, you know, I don't have to use my faculties to question anymore and be engaged, which is fine for a certain amount of time, but we've watched everyone, whether it's, you know, diets or, you know, supplement things or, you know, like just they get into their camps and uh, the thing we don't, maybe we don't, we're kind of seeing the emergence of that middle ground of the bridge of how to, how to transform the energy is what all it is in the Tao is in, in the body is yin and yang transforming. And when you go back to the classics, all we're looking for in the body in treatment is going, why is yang not transforming to yin or why is yin not transforming to yang? And that can very, very easily be taken into hormonal, into metabolism science. We can see exactly what they're alluding to, although it's hard to layer them exactly over each other. They've, they are talking about the same thing, whereas you can see the excessive divergence towards institutionalization goes, there's a deficiency of yin. Let's work on that deficiency of yin or let's work on that tumor or anything like that. If you go back and be like, regardless, there's a, there's a transformation not happening. And so I was really, everyone thought I went to like the against institutions. And although that's in my, when I walked out of university and I'd been studying Taoist herbalism because that's where I came to, in looking for a language around cultivation rather than something to treat my fungal stuff or treat my immunity or, you know, taking a herb just for immunity. It was too boring for me. It wasn't like, I was like, I just can't see my 60-year-old or 80-year-old self really developing a relationship with herbalism if I come from this context. It seemed a little bit narrow. And so when I walked out of university, I was so, like at that time, I was so disgusted about the way that that, that was set up and my experience that yeah, I was, I was like, I really want to move forward in creating a capacity for institutions like that not to get their claws into minds. Um, as I watch people's, you know, just absolutely get their uniqueness demolished and just get completely homogenized. And an aspect of myself was as well. I allowed it to, kind of invited it to. It was my little initiation. But reg- despite the fact that I was using my charge against that dis- that that institution, the the essence of was born re- right there from Superfeast in terms of like where's that bridge between you know so we can find a harmony and let's go into the health world now in terms of like when is it appropriate where how can we develop an appropriate relationship with all of these institutions and then how can we develop an appropriate relationship with our own cultivation in our households so we don't have to be you know you can see there are people in you know right now who reject any say business because they're so extreme and decentralization which you don't see being like a very free and harmonious world but that's all that I wanted Superfeast to be is to find that that intersection and be a force for that harmonization point for the evolution of how we heal and how we cultivate health that's where I landed and I didn't have any I didn't really have the herbs in mind at that point I just wanted us to not be against anything in order to find our identity and I wanted us to be able to sometimes use that charge of againstness to find that inner spark and cultivation and what we needed to build in terms of our own conviction so we could be self-propelling. That's the lofty essence. That's the feeling that I had. And 
regardless of how hard it is to run a business off that foundation, I can't deny that that was the sense of the idea, the source idea, the source spirit of Superfeast when it decided to come into creation. Therefore, that's what I'm, that's what I, even though I've changed a lot and that's not exactly where I am anymore in terms of the focus of my life, when I'm in Superfeast, I'm the custodian of that idea, that source idea still. And so the processes and everything, the the products can evolve around it. We can expand into different areas and markets and have a similar conversation, but that's, it will never, ever go away from that very simple lineage of that millions and millions of people have always been, you know, sat in and energized all over the world. And just imagine how many, so let's look in the Dawa system, how many people sat on mountains just tuning into the the way their organs worked and tuning into the interaction of their you know what what happened at different times when it was you know the atmosphere was doing this or that and 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 taking goji berry and taking ginseng and reishi in order to help support particular phases of their life growth phases like it's all the same lineage everywhere there's nothing new we're just like that's what super feast is so then when my mum was just like yeah I was like, I don't know what to do. My mum was just like, yeah, just start a business with all these superfood stuff and, you know, maybe the mushrooms. And I was like, no, 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 there's no room for me in the in the market for mushrooms. That's been done. This is 12 years ago because I'm such a good businessman that they said that because I was like just into, you know, Ron Teagarden and George Lamoureux. These were just such big hitters. Like they were just, oh, they were just like, they'd been initiated in China. They were master herbalists. So just I didn't. So I just I started in another way and then, we were kind of getting going and then I was not really taking it seriously-ish, you know, I was just kind of you know, just like plodding along. And then my mum had an aneurysm. So she nearly died. It was six months in like in hospital, like nine, if you kind of include the, the rehab. And that really kind of set me straight in terms of like looking at like, all right, well, I need to be very intentional with my energy here. And we're at the point now where she's like, you know, just about to move up here. And, you know, I really need to be, you know, make sure she's supported. She's heavily, heavily disabled. But that was a pinnacle moment for Superfeet. So that then spurred me when she was in rehab to go, right, I'm going to start interacting with people and really flesh out this source idea. And at the same time, I'm going to refine my skills and see what skills need to be in the business in order to really, really honor that core purpose, evolutionary purpose. And spent three years at the French's Forest Farmers Markets, just having these conversations. And one day just I was talking about the mushrooms a lot and trying to get people to go out and forage them themselves in Lane Cove National Park and so on and so forth. And the mums especially at the time were just like, Mace, I really I'm like, oh I'm telling them to go order from Jing Herbs over in America. And they're just like, please, like you really, really need I need you to like source these because you're the person I want to come to. And I that's been that, you know, me bumping up against my uncomfortableness around how to interact with these in a, in a commercial way has always been a slow creep like that, rather than just going into Raji Baji, you're worth it, you know, you can do it, you know, money's like, you know, money's good. It's like, I didn't get it. I couldn't feel the way money resonates with this source idea. So yes, I needed business principles and I need to grow up there, but I need those business principles to be an exact reflection of that source essence, that shen of the business. And that's something, you know, even we as humans, like we can see, like you might like muscles and you might like that you, 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 that's your physical focus is like developing heaps of muscle, but perhaps you're spending so much time there that it's stopped, it's stopped being in service to that, which you need in terms of to refine your shen and your true essence so that it can be expressed. You've gone into a physical material place and 
that's a difficult thing because it means you need to be adaptive and you need to be agile as your essence expresses itself in different ways. You need to be willing to go into different phases of life and different focuses and then embody particular levels of consciousness and then move on to the next level. And business was the same. So I, I did that over those years and Princess Forest Markets and the herbs just found their way in. It was like, it was so weird. There was no stopping them. There was no like, you know, through quarantine. Yep. Easy. Non-irradiated. Yep. Easy. Finding D-Dow, you know, because that's, I, by that time I, I was taking them. I was mega dosing for years. I did two years, two heaps, tablespoons of shaga and reishi every day. I'm fasting on reishi mushroom. I knew these mushrooms inside out. And I knew in terms of facilitating these conversations I was having around, no, let's really look at what's important to you. You're the steward of your body and your purpose and your family. Like what's trust yourself. What are you sensing is the most important thing? Don't go back based on the practitioner. These are the kinds of conversations we're having at the markets and people, um, this is what I'm really sensing is in danger of being depleted right now. Very real conversations with the jing of the of the family unit is depleting. You might as well start to deplete your, you know, your skeletal integrity. And you know that's going to take you 20 years into the future where there's going to be utter destruction and you're not going to have the capacity to degenerate. And that's very scary to face that. I, I, you know, you need to sustainably move to that place where you can face that fear. And that's why I liked the Dow system, even though I didn't really want to use it. It was just so complete and so it was important to super feast. It actually wasn't as important to me. And that's my capacity to sit in my role of steward of super feast versus when I'm able to take it out and step into my own life. I use the Taoist principles, but that's not, it's not as ensconced as it is in super feast in, in my life. It's just there in its own appropriate way. That's another thing is you, you know, the enmeshment cycle of a founder and you're like, what's me? What's the business? Oh, what's it? Am I the role? Am I? <laughs> but I mean, there, that's the difference between the jing of the role and that what your job is when you're in the role is one thing, but I am the chi that goes in and animates it. I, you know, the business needs the chi. I'm not the jing. I am not the processes. I am not the principles. The business has its principles. It has its constitution and its membrane that states, if you step into this world, you better not try and completely just, you know, like blindly bring your approach to life. This is this environment and this is how we communicate in a generous way. This is how, as well, we relate to the business in the sense that you are not the role. You come in and animate it with your chi. So anyway, moving along in um, in that direction, the herbs just, yeah, they just charged in. I couldn't stop them at that point. And I started watching, you know, talking to these mothers and, you know, having having a framework of coaching and having a framework of the Tao and looking, well, where's the chi not transforming and seeing, you know, coming up with the Jing formula and watching how often the chi was not transforming through the kidneys for people. So they were just stuck in fear and stuck in institutional fear and had those entities of institutions. It didn't even matter whether it was like naturopathic or modern medicine, just like people it's not the intention of those institutions. It was just like not providing people the capacity to really go that extra mile and looking at what is the true motivation for you coming here and getting all this testing. What, how does it relate to your 80-year-old self? And so I was having very slow, gentle conversations with people about this and then utilizing some of the herbs. And then, of course, you know, the, the, like practices I'm sure you've got in the book and I've seen you talk about, they're all these tools, but that framework it's really, you can't take for granted that people will just be able to land there. There's a lot of stuff packed as we know. So you get as close as you can to that intention, act upon it, 
watch you in a sovereign manner, you know, yes, with some Jing herbs, taking them in and watching, oh my gosh, I'm actually building capacity to face that which I'm willing to do. That's the, the will comes out of the kidneys. I'm willing to take responsibility. It was, it's not a shell, you know, everyone knows that logically they want to, but the, the embodied willingness to really go, I'm going to take this on and it's going to be on me. It's scary. Like think about your 80, 90 year old self and imagine dancing towards that destiny of your death and conscientiously looking at the potential things that could come up, pop, you know, get into that place of preparedness. Do you have the preparedness for when you get a surprise diagnosis or when despite all your best intentions, you get blindsided by something in your family? That's the kind of, that's what's there behind the veil of taking responsibility. Naturally, it's very scary and we should be facing fear. And only by really understanding it, because we don't understand sometimes the magnitude of what we're doing in an environment that doesn't support that, can we cultivate that that real like I'm understanding the map here, and I've got a I've got somewhat of a system that's like you know whether it's Taoism, whether it's true Vedic yoga, you get back to the source root of it, and it's the it's the the lineage of humans that are like this is the best we've got. So that's why I went for the Dao herbs that are connected to sourcing that is written about within a you know two thousand year old text that goes back and can can bring the herbs in this way because the if I just went for an organic herb that was in a shed and you know ticked all the marketing boxes, it doesn't actually have not that it's bad, it has its place. If hospitals all of a sudden came to me and were like, Mason, we've decided to bring Reishi into the hospital because we've finally read all the data on say, you know, like, let's look at, you know, particular nasty treatments for a particular nasty thing, you know, that people go through. Oh my God, there's actually a whole body of, of evidence of just how incredible using reishi and chaga and turkey tail in conjunction is. And it doesn't, it doesn't impact. Oh, we want reishi from you. I couldn't because I don't have the scale because I'm working with independent farmers who are aligned to an old tradition. So in terms of me saying, I can't go organic, I'm not saying that, that that's bad at all, you know, any better or worse, those types of mushrooms are appropriate for addressing particular scales and spaces. But the kinds of conversations that we're having, the way that you're living, when we share these herbs with our grandparents and know we're not trying to just get them to, you know, fix a problem, we want that we can sense a spark in them. We can sense a spark in our intention and it's deep. And the herbs that we source and likewise the practices we do well, for me, in terms of stick to the herbs, it had to be able to have the the lineage and the resonance that is that is worthy of that intention. And I really learned that at the markets, and that's why I'm such a you know advocate for education and people also understanding the you know why people are like oh why do your herbs work like so much better in this instance than someone else's. I'm just like yeah because. I'm a match for where you're at currently on your journey. In terms of clinical, I might not be a match. If I have the intention, if people have the intention of like specifically working on this tumor or this, you know, like cutting off this metabolic pathway, you're not going to see maybe Superfeast really sing. It's going to be the other, it's going to be the time for other herbs and products that have that really specific specialization and intention. So that's where it all came from. And um, it's been one heck of a journey and it's been really nice to not premeditate what the business was going to become and just 
our only North Star at Superfeast is not testimonials that are like, I really liked your mushrooms because you know like it's not nothing like that they're really nice i love it when people really give those you know those ones because they're prompted but surprise testimonials because no one knows what's ahead on their initiation process or what's going to happen when they engage with their liver chi or what happens if they really engage with why fertility isn't coming and so they get drawn to the herbs and super feast and these formulas maybe even through really generic you know marketing but they get drawn in and they start the practice of tonic herbalism. They're not treating a symptom. You can't. You know, you might start there, but Superfeast and Taoist herbalism sucks you into cultivating and really facing, you know, why this is important to you. And so then, of course, people generate their own benefits, not dependent on the herbs, although the herbs play their role. That's an important thing because I can't create dependencies on tonic herbs, which is, it's hard to have a modern business that doesn't frame things in that way, but it's a worthy place because I'm expecting people to not have dependency. Ultimately, they can depend on themselves. So people come about and all of a sudden they're like, so the herbs, I worked with them and I got, and this happened, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting things to happen to my social anxiety. I wasn't expecting myself not only to have energy, but have a roadmap for how to cultivate energy. That's literally our North Star. At Superfeast. So we've got our finger on the pulse of, you know, sweet spots of gross profit and profit and the joy people have in their roles, all that kind of thing. So it's not that all these multiple variables aren't important, but the one, 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 one thing that we know that we're harmonically working in, in like, and worthy of stewardship of that essence of Superfeast Express are those surprise cultivations and people expressing to us, you know, when people come, some person, we had a woman the other day stopped me in the river when I was with my son. And be like, I just took your chi and I am Gaia just because someone said it was would be nice. And I just never would have expected this for me to all of a sudden understand the nature of what happens when I build my blood. This person had never, they just went and looked at a blog around the, the conversation around chi and blood and how they dance with each other. And they perceived something in themselves. And they just came, I just had to tell you that. And that's, so that's the only thing that Superfeast runs on. So we know that we're like on track because that means people are doing the work and we're facilitating that work and we're doing so in a way that isn't creating dependencies. Beautiful. I love it. I have to be honest with you. I have not taken them daily consistently. Now, I'd love your thoughts on whether you think that that makes a difference. And I also want to hear you talk about where can people start? You have so many incredible mushrooms and adaptogens and different types. Where's a good place for people to start and what's the dosage? And do you feel like it has to be a consistent daily thing or is a couple times a week really going to move the needle for a lot of people? Yeah, a couple of times a week will move it. I mean, it depends on where you're at. Some people will benefit through just like, just go for 30 days straight just so that you can bust through anything in your head going, I hope this is working and really experience working, it, it working because they do work. And if you're not getting it, then, you know, you, you, it's, it's not a bad idea to up the dose a little bit just so you can get the experience of what Jing herbs or the mushrooms feel like. So, but at some point it does just become like, you know, your meditation or your breath work. It's a practice that finds a, a sweet spot in, in your life. So I think everyone just needs to know like really acknowledge like a lot of people listening to this won't be like have be in, be in a position where they're like 
in a rule base, like, okay, I know I'm going to, I have to do it every single day. So you can go straight to like these herbs for thousands of years in a system that has tens of thousands of herbs have been like the top, say like 50, 60, 80 of the superior herbs. In this 2,000-year-old text, the Ben Gene, it has these superior herbs, like which are the ones that are worthy to enter into your diet and to enter into your life and for you to work with to ensure that you don't degenerate prematurely, that you bring aliveness and lightness to your body and that you can express your spirit. So naturally, for many people, you know, they don't understand the gravity of just how precious these herbs are. But likewise, a lot of people are doing that work on their own. So already and that you're not going to get these massive explosions because you're already connected to your essence. You know, you're already connected to, you're not exhausted. You know how to not become exhausted. You've got boundaries already. So a lot of the time, the motivation to really stay consistent isn't there a lot of the time because you're like, it's already so good. That's the time you might just need a little bit of discipline to be like, cool, I'm going to go 30 days or 60 days and just see how, because they, like they, these, it's like shocking how amazing these herbs are, especially when they're sourced the way that we source them with independent farming. We, it's a microclimate that's set in this book. This is the microclimate and the province you get it from. The seeds and the spores that we source with, they come from that same microclimate, right? So they're not industrial spores. Like these things are dripping in essence. So just some people, it's you're not going to have that explosion of benefits. Other people here will feel that, oh my gosh, like this is something I have to work on. I and and you'll you'll have that charge. And in that case, yeah, you it's good to work with a one group of herbs, whether it's the Jing formula, if you're a woman like working on blood or, you know, like, or, or fertility working with the, the I am Gaia blend and do it consistently because you've got to explore what's there for you. And if you're not really getting that palpable experience, then increase the dose. Say if you started a quarter teaspoon, you get to half a teaspoon, you're kind of like, yeah, it's kind of doing all right. Well, maybe you can now engage with doing what you want. These herbs are here to be played with. They're safe. They're not aggressive, which gives you the capacity to play around a little bit. So you might go, well, I'm going to try at the half a teaspoon morning and afternoon, or I'm just going to increase to a teaspoon. Some people will be like, you know, the frothers, like, you know, who will be, <laughs> be like, I'm going to go a heap teaspoon and go for it. The only thing there is if you, if you are that kind of person and you, you know, a good place to start are the, is the Jing formula, J-I-N-G, because that kidney essence is often what's under, you know, unconscious or conscious attack the way that we live in the West, we're draining our essence. And it's the linchpin for a lot of people starting their journey. And you're like, oh my gosh, like it's not a Red Bull energy. It's a self-cultivated energy. It's really palpable. And so they might be like, I'm going to go, you know, two teaspoons a day. And that's like, yeah, listen to your, listen to you and the herbs and go for it. But then you have to be just as willing to listen when your body says, okay, that's enough at that phase. And so it's just about being aware of that because a lot of people will just maybe be too distracted and be like, no, 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 I, I, that's what I do. I do my like my two teaspoons of gin every day. And it's like, oh, just be ready to, to adapt your relationship to the herbs or maybe you'll stop feeling like gin. And then the progression for a lot of people is moving from a gin formula to what's on top of that, to a chi formula and seeing what happens when you take the chi herbs that help you animate all of that potential and essence and jing the chi comes in and moves thoughts and moves emotions and moves metabolism and regulates all those kinds of things so jing's a good place to start the most common pairing is jing and mason's mushrooms 
the Mason's mushrooms is the, the oldest, you know, oldest formula. We have eight, eight beautiful medicinal mushies and the mushrooms are just like, you know, we know what they're going to do for immunity. We know what they're going to do for nervous system. We know what they're going to do in an adaptogenic um, regulatory sense for the endocrine system. So all of that's really clinically clear. But the thing we don't know, they're so, they're, they're so regulatory to all of those systems and, and, and more. We just don't know what direction it's going to go in, which is exactly what we want. So it's like the mushrooms are a mystery to us, that, that fungal kingdom is a mystery to our psyche. And, you know, we're having a renaissance of, around mushrooms at the moment. But likewise, when people take medicinal mushrooms, we don't know what's going to happen. But you better know that it's going to be something that's incredibly beneficial to you. So often that's the one to create that placebo for people. Talk to me about breastfeeding and pregnancy. Are they safe? Do we have to lower the dosage? What's your thoughts on that? It depends on whether you've been on them and you've got a relationship with these herbs because this is a practice. It's the same way if you go into kundalini, if you've never done like a kundalini before you were pregnant or when you were breastfeeding, you'd want to be mindful because you don't understand what gates you're going to open and what kind of energy you're going to be moving, say, through breath work. But if you've been doing it five years prior, you know your relationship to that practice, and it's the same with herbalism. So if you are starting to get onto them in like that stage of breastfeeding, you would go very, very slow because the thing that the herbs will do if you have fundamental imbalances, say through the liver, if you have like a real stuck liver chi, you will start increasing that capacity of your liver to start going through phases of detoxification and you'd want a bit more of a strategy you'd just want to maybe be on clay or something you know to make sure that you're going through that phase three of eliminating what gets um, removed from the body so that it's common sense again it's not like even though i've got tga these are you know i've got a lot of tga listed products so they are listed medicines they're not in the pharmaceutical range and the, the tonic herbs are also again the reason they're a superior herb listed here in the Bensao Jing and not a regular herb or a lower herb because they don't have that intense pushing of the body in the direction that is the herb wants and not what the body wants so I'm, I don't want to create any fear around it I, I want to give enough of a be mindful and go slow but at the same time it's your continue to follow why do you want to use them do not stop because I give you a rule, be mindful. I'm not saying engage, you know, keep on going and just, it, yeah, start like an eighth of a teaspoon. You don't want to do my neural nectar just because of there's too much out there around the macuna inhibiting prolactin. Not that that's completely proven, but don't bother with it. The things like lion's mane, so safe. The mush, mason's mushroom, so safe. The jing herbs, you want, I mean, that's might as well be, you know, like the postpartum protocol is really get on jing and and again if you haven't done if you haven't got a relationship with the herbs then just go slow but nonetheless doesn't mean you know like what what do nothing do nothing when you realize that you've just gone through one of the most jing draining rewarding but you've used so much jing to that experience and just like oh let's just be safe and not do anything it's such an inappropriate modern western like medicine approach which is so complacent and just such an awful place to leave because I just want to be I want to be safe and not not create any possible whatever law, lawsuits I don't know what you know what they're saying and everyone's just like so scared to like respect and honor that you that that mama's intent looking here yes I need to be really appropriate that I don't take advantage of that real 
you know, that's such a the stage like that, that it's such a raw, it's so easy to take advantage of. It's such, you know, like that, that raw, like, yeah, you should take this and that and that. No, but you keep on following it and engage. Take, if you're going to take herbs, take them very slow. Jing is a good one to get onto in that breastfeeding stage postpartum. And then also I am Gaia to help you build back that blood and like really regulate the warming of those sexual organs as well make sure the liver's regulated. So that's what we'd stick with there. And yeah, chi is also like a really incredible one. So postpartum, we normally see people go jing and gaia and then finish the jing. And if they're feeling I'm really past that pure exhaustion stage and I'm just tired now, then switch the jing for the chi and go gaia and chi. And that seems to be the best protocol for us in postpartum and breastfeeding. Awesome. I'm writing that down, Gaia and Chi, and I'm getting everything. You have convinced me and inspired me so much to really just go for it 30 days because I'm still breastfeeding and just see how I feel. And I'll start small and just work my way up. But you've inspired me so much. Tell me, children, can they have them? What's the dosage for them? Talk to me about that. Again, so like start realizing why you want to bring herbs into into your home life and start developing a relationship with you as a herbalist and you as a barefoot herbalist and the herbalist and the healer of your household. It's a really incredible hat to put on, incredible role to put on. And then from there, filtering through your sovereignty and what's appropriate and what's appropriate dosage from that, you know, you taking on that that space. We focus on those herbs to support the chi and the spleen especially of the children. So that's going to lead us towards the chi herbs and the mushrooms. So we kind of generally kind of say, you know, after like two is when you start getting a little bit of more capacity to be like, right, you know, I'm, I'm keen to kind of get in there. But, you know, like Aya, Aya is a reishi baby. So in terms of like pregnancy, reishi, you know, there's a there's law about the creation of reishi babies when the mum takes reishi and the kids come out just with this, like there's been a guardian mushroom, like a protector of their spirit so they come out just like beaming with their with their spirit and essence and of course babies always are but reishi babies are their own thing but you know like Aya had her first little touch of reishi when she was six months it was just you know this you know and it's you know it's funny you want like lemon reaction videos for babies try a bit of reishi reaction videos they're very funny I felt a little bit mean but that was just to kind of, for me, I'm so connected to these herbs. I felt it appropriate to get that essence into her. I haven't really done that with Leo. Tani's on a lot of mushrooms and doing breastfeeding. So that's kind of enough for me. Just, you know, letting the breast milk do its thing. But yeah, I mean, say my six-year-old loves Tremella mushroom. She eats it out of the bag. It's an incredible, like snow fungus. It's a, it's a, it might as well be a food. It's so safe. It's a good place to start. And it has incredible immunological capacity, which is what that's what kids need. They don't have a, they don't need immune stimulants. They need immune regulators because their cheese just all over the place. They're just so crazy. They've, they, they've got jing coming out of their eyeballs. So they don't need the jing herbs necessarily. But in terms of like regulating and grounding in that, you know, like what you know, the Taoists called like not a Christian heaven, but that heaven and earth, like humans are the bridge between heaven and earth. And that chi is so erratic as they're trying to come down. We give them chi herbs to just help them facilitate that. And make, we're not trying to prevent illness necessarily, but just increase their capacity to learn when they do get those immune invasions. So that's where we look at chi herbs. Like astragalus is a magical kid's herb. So like, you know, let's just say generally we're looking from that two plus little bit of that astragalus to help them cultivate that chi. The chi formula is the one that I focus on giving Aya and I have from I think I created it when she would have been like three or something. 
And that was the primary. Before that, it was the um, astragalus, those electrifying chi herbs. Those chi herbs are pure vitality. And that's what you think that's vitality comes from like a hit of like energy. No, the reason we feel so energized from chi herbs is because all of a sudden our capacity to regulate and get into the song and dance of our system and our metabolism, it's it happens easier. So we're not using as much in order to get through the day regulated. And so that's why the chi herbs are really good. And then yet yeah, mushrooms, like I'll just put Mason's mushrooms in her little tonics and always, always will. And I just kind of let it become a part of the household. You know, she can have a drink of my thing that's got, you know, or, you know, if, if I have Jing herbs and, you know, the Shen spirit herbs in there and I made it into a hot chocolate and she wants a little bit, yeah, no problem, fine. These are the herbs that we can, you know, feel safe with. But yeah, chi herbs and mushrooms. Mm, awesome. And we'll put a link to Superfeast in the show notes. You can use the code MELISSA and there's a special discount. And we've also got an awesome giveaway that we will be doing. But I want to switch gears to Gua Sha, which is something else that you guys are really passionate about. Now, I get it when I go and get my organic facials and I have one at home. I have one of yours at home and I occasionally do it. But to be honest, again, it's not something that I do daily and I would love to do it more. Talk to us about Gua Sha. What is it? Why is it so awesome? And how can we do it and incorporate it into our everyday routine? Yeah, I mean, surprise, surprise, the idea of these Taoist practices, say like gua sha, you know, which is, is, you know, you can essentially be getting a spoon, you can get like a, you know, one of those, um, you know, the soup spoons that you have at, um, at any Asian restaurant that you go to and use that just to scrape. And so it's like, there's a, there's a grouping of practices, whether it's, you know, qigong and physical exercise is one, you know, we're all kind of quite comfortable with that. But then the idea of like self-massage or getting into our organs and doing an organ massage or, you know, when someone has blocked energy within their neck or, you know, within, within their body somewhere, getting our stones out and, and, and scraping and knowing how to bring up that stagnation, whether it's stagnant blood, you know, everyone wouldn't realize that, you know, what's called the sha is that little grains that, that pop up. It seems like, you know, you'll, you'll, a lot of the time people will watch after someone's been scraped on the back and you'll see all the little blotchy spots or it'll be, you know, everyone will have their own different version of Shah, which is almost its own sovereign cultivation thing of going, you know, why is my Shah like that? What's my constitution versus like someone who has real pale, dark Shah that emerges. And a lot of people will just be like, oh, that's just because you're scraping too hard. No, you scrape that line, you know, whether it's a meridian or just, you know, a muscular line, and it, it'll it'll produce sharp so maybe the first couple of times, and then you'll even go harder next time, and it won't produce it because you've released that heat or stagnation or that blockage. It's so empowering to know that you are physically going and creating that manipulation, and you're not like, oh, am I allowed to do this? Am I, you know, if someone is going through a migraine, and you have the capacity to know that that person, first of all, herbal, like from a herbal perspective all right, I know what's maybe going on for that person's liver and I wouldn't mind bringing in, say, like a you know a tonic formula. I wouldn't have like one yet, but I'm, I might bring a plurium formula because I know how to move that energy for someone and dredge their gallbladder and, and then I'm going to go and help them because we know that liver chi rises and goes up into the neck and I'm going to help them scrape that and move it along and it might take it from like that lasting like 24 hours to like lasting 12 and then you know, 8 and then 
for and then we can track that back and be like how can we stop this from happening again and so you go into the temperament and you go into the patterns that lead to that and the whole system is there and that's what Superfeast has really fleshed out one part of its system with herbs and talking about the organ Taoist organ wheel the 24-hour wheel and just the seasons and the, the organs associated with the seasons but gua sha physically getting in there and transforming yourself scraping through muscles or scraping along meridians and removing stagnation that no herb was really ever going to be able to get into. Like Tani, my wife, practices Chinatsung Taoist organ massage. People who say have no, you know, they, they we're talking about fertility at the very top. Well, like, yeah, herbal protocols, incredible, you know, physical movement, de-stressing. But when someone gets their thumbs deep in and triggers that response of what's actually going in there and they know what they're doing, gua sha, the organ massage, you can feel how they all represent this physical manipulation, this physical touch that is going to give us this biofeedback, which you can't get any other way. And, you know, we have like a little bit of palpation in modern medicine, but the fact that we're not actually getting in there and like allowing, you know, having a practitioner really touching and a lot of body work is just doesn't quite get there. It's still kind of like the organs are like a faux pas to get into. The genitals definitely are, which is like, you know, that's an area where so much tension builds. It's kind of the linchpin. And so the cultivation of that type of massage and, you know, and guashes that support that, you know, maintaining, you know, you're just removing blockages that you couldn't possibly expect a herb to because you work in a high rise and you haven't, you know, we we're talking about EMFs and all that kind of stuff. If you look at all these principles of any wisdom tradition, you know, physically getting in there and like feeling what's going on, you know, like yoga is incredible for that, you know, making sure we're lubricated and, you know, our capacity to cleanse is, you know, is increased and we're unplugging those blockages. Taoism as well, many, many wisdom traditions. It's not just Taoism, you know, they're, we are getting in there and going, okay, well, if I'm worried about Wi-Fi and EMF, why don't I have the capacity to work on it? Let's actually get in there and figure out how I can support this body to regulate itself. And that's why we do align with the flow of where the sun and the earth are oriented at the moment in terms of like the time of day and what that's going to produce as an environment and get into flow because the chi is an organ within an organ during that time of day. That's why we work, go with the seasons. That's why we physically touch ourselves to be like you know maybe there's something and that's that's happened you know people have it's just been they've been willing to acknowledge the pain in their uterus and then after a few sessions all of a sudden that physical tension that's stopping them from getting pregnant is is started to dissipate and then they they're free to go on their cultivation journey and likewise for guasha people taking those stones and scraping and watching them alleviate something in their body which caused pain and distress you know even running it across their organs just gently running it across the meridian once you find that there's meridians and helping the transformation cycle of chi occur you can't help but become a badass sovereign person in that sense and not in a pretentious way in a way that like you know i've i can feel the conviction and the power i have like you know i am this you know like like just the the, the fact that we we don't want to create this charge around i'm dependent on no one or anything no you want to be able to very appropriately interact with these 
bodies of medicine, like, you know, this, this, these institutions of acupuncturists are incredible. Their specialization is magical. Same, likewise, naturopathy, likewise, modern medicine. Like, they're amazing. Like, you want, like, I don't want to be charged around those things. And the reason I am charged is because I am actually really concerned that I don't have the know-how and, in, in, like, I don't have the conviction of knowing how to not be dependent upon them. So I just need to keep on exploring that tension that I have. And I see gua sha, the self-massage, the herbs, all of these things that you're doing, we're doing, we're just trying to cultivate that so that then we have the capacity to have really beautiful and appropriate relationships with these specializations. And remember, they we don't owe them anything. We don't, I don't own the institution of medicine anything. You have no right to bully me or inflict anything upon me. And likewise, when you come across, you know, a pretentious acupuncturist that thinks, well, maybe not pretentious, just in that phase of their life where the only way that they've just been institutionalized and they're like, we, it's dangerous for you guys to use the herbs. We're the ones that own the herbalism and it's really, it's not good. For, and I've had this, we've had the head of like, like acupuncturist societies write to us and essentially say that to us. And we've been like, you know, written back a couple of pages to them going, we'd love to, for you to call us. What's your number? Here's our stance. This is what we're cultivating. I know you can't see that space, but we're really not against you. We're really in that middle ground and we want to maintain this beautiful relationship where people, you know, even in your institution, we want to make sure that we're contributing to people not coming back and being dependent on you. So we talk, we have a lot of practitioners who we work with to help connect to the classics and connect to the beautiful essence of this tradition so that they know that they are going to have a boundary around I do not I'm not this type of practitioner that you can come back and be dependent on I if you want to come into this environment I I can demand that you engage and that's so much more rewarding and so we kind of we we've been able to bridge that it took a long time to stay there in that uncomfortable fusion point but nonetheless that's where we are we're not you know we're not against anyone and that's what guasha represents for me and they're cool stones. We got a yin one, we got a yang one, and you know I'll go into the practicality and get out of the philosophy because I guess as everyone can see, I like going flying off into the macro quite <laughs> quite often. We it comes with a guide in how to you know a little bit of a guide for how to do that you know the facial gua sha and you know you can relate to it as like a lymph drainage if you want, although that's not what it is. It's yours to relate to, and where wherever you're at, you can. Get a little guide in terms of like scraping along the back. If you know people in your household have a bit of tension, again, it's a safe thing. Don't be scared of it. Go really gentle. You know, you always go to seventy percent of what you think. You know, there's no reason to like go, you know, cane that person's um back. But nonetheless, if there's if there's a tension point, get the pointy bit of the yang one and get in under your arm and go. All right, well what's this going to do? Sit there and relax and keep on pushing it in there. Just explore. You get to explore your body with these things. And as long as we know, you know, this goes back beyond any formal Chinese medicine, gua sha. It predates Chinese medicine, grabbing a rock that's smooth. And, you know, this is, you know, particular, very highly energized rock, space rock that we've got at Superfeast that's got the got the, that electromagnetic vibration that has a, you know, has a resonance with healing. And just, you know, have and, and people just grab these things and they were smooth and just have a scrape because we knew that prevented disease. And then, yeah, just get, get used to with gua sha, eventually with tonic herbalism, you, you're going to have to hit that point where you're not going to get a lot of the time these massive 
cathartic explosions of healing feelings. And that's kind of not what we want anyway. I love it when people come to me and go, I took Mason's mushrooms and I've been, I've had social anxiety, like crippling for two years. I wouldn't promote this as like a reason to take Mason's mushrooms. This is just one of those accidental things. We never know what's going to happen, but it's, it's good for people to know they do happen. Someone came along to a conference in Brisbane and they're like, I have not, I can't believe I'm here. I've just been taking the mushrooms for a week. And that social anxiety is manageable where I've been able to come to a city, which for two years I've not been able to. That's amazing. We don't want that to become the long-term standard, which of course we see in our wellness world. People love going back again, again, and again to cathartic plant medicine, cathartic, big breath work, having this big process. It's amazing. And every now and then you'll get one. But that charge around it, the chop wood carry water, you know, that's the best advice I ever got from my acupuncturist who selfishly moved away, even though he was the best Chinese classical acupuncturist that I ever had. And I miss him. But anyway, whatever. That's myself. <laughs> it was like, you know, just remember, you know, you're going to get these pops of enlightenment as you go along. And the job is to like, you know, just integrate the charge as soon as possible and get back to chop wood, carry water, just get back to it. And that's the thing with tonic herbalism. If you can get there with tonic herbalism, things like gua sha, things like organ massage, know that the next phase of the development is going to be having a depth of like really feeling, oh my gosh, this is deep. There's a deep benefit here that I can sense because I'm quiet enough and I'm not chasing the big explosive catharsis of like, I can't believe how much energy I have. Watch what happens when you do it for five years straight and then you reflect and you go, oh my gosh, like that has completely transformed the path of my life. Like I can't believe the comparison of how much easier it is for me to get through my day and not react to stressful situations. That's, and you can, there's many contributions, but with the herbs, you'll go, wow, I know that. I've got bolstered and sped along that integration journey because of like Jing herbs or Chi herbs. You can feel it. You can feel just the same way you can feel it with like a friend or a colleague. You're like, my gosh, what a beautiful relationship that I had. It was me that did it, but I'm so grateful I had that friend along the way. It's the same with the herbs and and practices like Gua Sha. Hmm, beautiful. Well, you have definitely inspired me to get out my Gua Sha again and to take my mushrooms regularly. Like, yeah, I'm thinking as well. I'm like, okay, I've got to tell my husband we're going to do this. We're going to commit to it together and we're going to do it because he actually does it a lot more than me. He does it every day. He loves it. He's always doing little concoctions and making warm drinks. For me, as a mom, a working mom, I just am like, if I can throw it in my smoothie, I am killing it if I can throw it in my smoothie that day. So thank you so much for inspiring me and thank you for the incredible work that you are doing. Like you can feel the heart behind Superfeast. You really can. And for me, it's all about integrity. And there's so much integrity in Superfeast. So much love, so much integrity, so much heart has gone into everything that you create and everything that you put out there. And you can feel it. You can really feel it. So and you can taste it too, because you can energetically taste the love when you have your mushrooms. You truly can. I've had lots of different brands over the years, and you can really taste the difference and you feel the difference in your energy. So thank you for creating such magic, for putting it out into the world, for being the custodian for this. And 
for just helping and serving and inspiring so many people. So I want to know, my last question to you, my friend, is how can I give back and how can I serve you? How can myself and the listeners give back and serve you today? Honestly, what you've just committed to in in terms of like finding that sweet spot for you, what's appropriate, you know, the charge is there for the herbs. So there's no need to create another habit. You know, if you're doing a smoothie, great. If you're able to ask someone that's already making hot drinks to make another one and put it in a keep cup, then good. Let it fit in there. But that consistency, you know, if you're feeling that charge, find a way to to go with it and cultivate that connection with the herbs. And I love, you know, in terms of what, you know, the integrity is there. And I really appreciate your acknowledgement of it. And for me, when you look at just how much integrity has gone on for thousands of years that humans have dedicated their entire lives to allowing us at this point, living these incredible lives that we are in the modern world and know and have access to these herbs cultivated in exactly the way that helps us like develop these like this unique essence and express it, you know, just really for everyone, it's really helpful for me to, to make sure that the narrative is out there of like, it's really, I have, you know, sure, I love doing what I do and Superfeast loves doing what it does and really then looking beyond that and looking and really feeling just how long this has gone on and long how how long there is and how many people have committed themselves to this line and having this much integrity so that we can have like a, a philosophy that we can integrate with and know that it's not full of shit and we know that it transcends all need for marketing even though there is you know it, it's got a bedrock and for us to have that like that's a lot of indigenous tradition has been destroyed and they tried to destroy this and it's not that's really worth like, I'm getting like, I'm getting emotional thinking about that. It's really something. And now it's back and it's rising up. And so when you're thinking about the herbs, and when you think about China, you know, go beyond, don't relate to these herbs around, you know, in terms of like all the communism or that, you know, like that industrial, you know, that industrial way relate to the land. It's the same way, you know, I don't relate to Australians being someone with the worst land, land clearing record, and people who love, you know, like love destroying their indigenous culture more than anything. That's not you. Go beyond and remember there are humans there. They are not the Communist Party. They are not that that deceitful industrial wave that's creating all that toxicity in those commercial areas. We're talking about these very, you know, deep valleys and, and these crags in these rural areas. These are humans that are, are beating the drum of a tradition. And millions of people have gone into bringing this tradition. So that's what I would ask for yourself and everyone and connect to that. You know, there's a gratitude that's innate there when you're connected to it, when you're taking those herbs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you are such a legend. I am so grateful that you're out there in the world doing this incredible work. I am pumped to go and try some more mushrooms today. I'm going to have another little hot drink today and to get out my gua sha. So thank you so much for sharing, for all the work you do. I literally want to have you and your wife over for dinner so we could just chat for hours because I feel like we have so much in common and there's so many more rabbit holes that we could dive into. Absolutely. Yeah, and I can I can feel it as well. Let's follow those threads and it'd be yeah, it'd be lovely to hang out and chinwag with you guys. Definitely. All right, my darling, thank you so much for coming on the show and we are so grateful for your time and your wisdom today. And we'll have you back on to chat about your birth. Great. Thank you. Lots of love, everybody. I don't know about you, my friends, but this episode has really inspired me to up my mushroom and adaptogen game and to whip out my gua sha. 
a lot more regularly. These things are such powerful tools that we can do at home completely free that we can incorporate into our daily routine and to our children's life that will really move the needle. Remember, it's the little things that we do each day that add up to big results or big consequences. So I'm super inspired. I'm going to go grab my gua sha right after this and start doing it on my face. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And if you are inspired too and you got a lot out of this conversation, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. Now, come and connect with me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this conversation. I would love to hear from you and connect with you. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, Don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.